We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. Hi, this is Jerry Boyer. Welcome to Meeting of Minds podcast. My guest today is Walker Wildman from the American Family Association. Walker, thanks for joining us. Glad to be on, Jerry. Walker, um, we're we're here to talk about something that AFA has taken up uh, recently, which is using your shares as as investors. Most most ministries have investments. For instance, uh, frequently donors give dollars, but donors also frequently give shares in stocks. So lots of ministries have shares in stocks in, say, related foundation, uh, et cetera. Um, but they sit there inert. They're just there for return. But what you've done at AFA is you've added a kind of extra layer of usefulness to those shares in that you're using them to engage as shareholders with the companies that you own. So that's kind of a natural outgrowth of what you've done in the past, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. And I've got to I've got to confess to the audience, Jerry, uh, we we don't have it all together here at American Family Association. The reason I say that is because we went years without engaging uh, at the corporate shareholder level based on the portfolio that we had. Um, it was just there, and and it was we were investing, trying to be good stewards of our money, um, but we weren't engaging at the shareholder level with the stocks and the companies that we owned. And then it really, I had this epiphany and this conviction that, you know, we talk about activism and we've been activating people to make a difference in our country and our culture for 40 plus years. So we've got to practice what we preach even internally at the investment level of the ministry and the organization. And we got to be active with these shareholder engagements and these shareholder meetings, et cetera. So that's when we reached out to you, Jerry, and the team uh, over at Boyer Research, and we said, let's get involved here. Let's get engaged. Uh, so that's what we've been doing the last year or two, mm. and it hasn't always been this way. So for anybody listening, maybe a pastor, associate pastor, ministry leader who's like, yeah, we should do that too, that's okay to have that epiphany and say, yeah, let's do this, even if you haven't done it in the past. Well, you know, that's a good point. By the way, I think you're being a little hard on yourself, because <laughs> if we're grading on a curve— Hardly anybody's doing this. Uh, I mean, this has been an area where Christians have essentially been MIA. So you are yeah. way out ahead of the pack. Um, I think for a lot of ministries, they they don't even know this is an option. They don't understand that with those shares comes power, a voting power. So I think it's, I, I don't think it's that they're not interested in changing the culture. I think it's that um, no one ever told them that they could. Yeah. Yeah, and and re- really, Jerry, we've got as 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 Christians and ministry leaders and organization leaders, and in this whole nonprofit arena, uh, and 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 for small business owners, we, we as, as for people that have convictions, people that have faith in God, we've we've got to get out of this. My my convictions and my faith are only for Sunday and Wednesday or whatever day you worship God, and and outside of that, you know, I'm not sure how much influence I have. Um, 
we've got a lot of influence and a lot of opportunities for influence. So here at American Family Association, we've been encouraging people, average everyday people, to get involved and be engaged and active in our culture and to and to vote with their pocketbook, if you will, meaning shop where you believe people share your values. And if, if you don't like the way a company's behaving, then you don't have to spend your money there. Um, and we have engaged in boycotts over the years, some of them very effective. But in the in the era that we're in, Jerry, as you know, uh, boycotts are not as effective as they once were. So we've got to shift and we've got to figure out what works. And what works is shareholder engagement. And so anybody out there who has who has uh, shares and stock in companies, uh, you've got to be in, engaged here, especially at, at, at a bigger level uh, where you have, you know, uh, uh, accountants and people who are, this is what they're supposed to be doing is keeping up with shareholder opportunities. Um, th- this is really, to your point, a, a, a arena that the Christians have to get involved in. And right now we're just not on a scale. We're just not there uh, at all. Hmm. Yes. Uh, I think we've maybe have fallen into the trap of passivity um, or the sense that um, it's already lost. Um, I, 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 Christians are understandably concerned about what's been coming out of Disney. Um, uh, I think some have been concerned for longer. I think some saw some saw the problem earlier than uh, I mean. I think a lot of Christians just woke up to this maybe in the past year, year and a half, whereas others, uh, such as you, saw problems much earlier that were sort of there in seed form that have now matured. Um, and there's just sort of a sense of oh well, it happened and they're lost and that's it and don't understand how much power they have. And so we can, we complain, we talk to each other about the companies and how bad they are, but we don't talk to the companies. Yeah. And then we're surprised when the companies don't change. Yeah, there, there's, uh, I call that cynicism. And there's a place for that, right? There's a place for being cynical and all is lost and I've, I've exhausted my options, right? There's a rare place for that. But... <laughs> When it talk when you're talking about the grand scheme of our country and our nation's history, we're not there. We're not there, and I don't know. I don't know if we'll ever be there. And, and from a as a believer, as a Christian, really, based on our faith and based on what the Bible says, we really shouldn't ever be at a place of cynicism, right? right. Because that's not what the Scripture teaches. Um, because God is a God of restoration. He's a God of hope, and until He returns, and and and, and there's uh, we're in our final eternal state. There's always opportunity for miracles to happen, right? Um, and when we look at, at look at America, let's focus in on our country where we're stewards of as 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 citizens and voters, etc. Um, to your point, there's a lot of complaining about what's wrong with America, and anybody can kind of armchair quarterback and and this is wrong and that's wrong and I don't like this and Washington has a 14 percent approval rating, and they're terrible. But what are you doing about it? Right. And that's really, that's really, I said this on my show the other day, because I can tell you what's wrong out there. And I can tell you about corporate boardrooms and CEOs and Washington and all this. But when you look at the ballot box, so going from like shareholder voting and engagement to the ballot box, when you look at, at voting statistics, half of our country is sitting on the couch on election day. And that's not an exaggeration. It's actually probably a little higher than that. But let's just say 50%. Half of the voting people that are of voting age that are eligible to vote are sitting at home on election day. That's terrible. 
That's mm-hmm. half of the people disengaged. Yeah. So to your point, Jerry, we've got to be engaged in our country and what's going on. We've got to be engaged with these corporations. It's a no-brainer. So let's use the analogy, right? You can you can vote in elections, uh, in political elections. Well, you can vote in corporate elections as well. So 50% of people who are eligible to vote in national elections aren't voting. 80% of people who are eligible to vote in corporate elections aren't voting. 80% of us are sitting home. By the way, it's not just sitting home because you can vote online. So 80% are sitting at home and not logged on for the annual meeting of Apple, Disney, um, Microsoft, uh, Tesla. I mean, these are huge culture-forming institutions, Netflix. and, And by the way, of that 20% who are voting, that's not mostly us. The hyper-organized groups are yeah. the groups on the hard left. So there is so much upside with a 20% vote turnout that is mostly not us. There is so much upside from getting involved that it's absolutely ridiculous, the amount of improvement. Now, that's far from victory, but from this low baseline, we can get a lot of improvement very quickly. Yeah, 100%. There's a lot of there's a lot of upside here, as you said. A lot of opportunity. And, uh, you know, when you, when you talk about pessimism and, and being cynical, you know, there's old saying about if it bleeds, it leads. And, and, and our, our, our media headlines today are just absurd. I mean, everything's apocalyptic. The world's always ending. That we're going to have the Great Depression again this year, by the way, they say. <laughs> um, and it's always negative, negative, negative. And I really do think that the human, they're playing to the human side of this. And it does get a lot of attention and clicks. But I think at times, Jerry, that's a distraction. I think people... They people want to think that it's all burning and it's all coming down and there's not going to be an America next year because of whatever conspiracy or whatever theory and, and half the theories end up being true. So, so I'm not discounting that. But to me, Jerry, I think at times it's an excuse for doing nothing, because oh, yeah. if you if you can say that it's all it's all going to burn no matter what I do, then I'm just not going to do anything. All I'm going to do is complain about it. It gives you a reason to not do anything. So I think it's an excuse for a lot of people. But Jerry, back to this point of shareholder engagement and the lack thereof. Yes. We've got tons, tons of of churches, tons of organizations, nonprofits, ministries out there, and even individuals, large net worth individuals that have millions of dollars in investments directly into these companies, and they're doing nothing. So we got to get people off the sidelines here. Yeah. So let's be clear about what it takes if you owned $2,000 worth of a company for three years, $2,000 worth, you can put a proposal on the ballot. I'm not talking about voting. I'm talking about putting up there on the ballot something that everybody has to vote on. Um, It's $25,000 worth for just one year, but most people don't get in and out. I mean, there are day traders, but if somebody owns Apple or Microsoft or Tesla or IBM or whatever, chances are they have owned it for for a while. That's a pretty low bar. So given that, why is it? I, I, I don't know. I mean, as a rhetorical question, basically yeah. the left compared to the right has been about 20 to one in terms of the ratio of proposals. Last year it was about 10 to one. This year, I think it's going to be maybe five to one. In other words, we're catching up. But why isn't that reversed? Because most yeah. shareholders are conservative. 
Uh, so uh, um, I think they're just maybe undereducated about their ability. And I mean, you folks have been engaging with some of the largest banks in America, the largest tech firm, the largest company in the world. You're engaging with Apple. Four meetings with senior yes. executives at Apple. Um, this this approach has a lot of clout. It does. And and maybe we're onto something here. Not Not necessarily us, although that's the case, but all of us. I mean, maybe our entire movement's onto something here. And I know you've been in this arena for a long time. Alliance Defending Freedom's also been helping you guys out. I mean, it's a great partnership. Um, but we've we've got to we've got the the proposition is compelling. I mean, you and I can explain this to folks who who have investments, and, and probably ninety five percent of them are like, you know, you're right. This is a great idea. This is a no brainer. We ought to be involved at the shareholder level, and so. Speaking from someone who's in management and an executive at a nonprofit organization, American Family Association, let me just speak to those people out there, either high net worth individuals um, or um, organization leaders and boards of directors, etc. It would be 100% worth your money and your time to, to bring somebody on like a Jerry, and he didn't ask me to say this, someone like Jerry Boyer or someone comparable that knows your values, knows what you believe, and knows what types of issues you're interested in at the corporate level to do this, to engage and to handle this and, and to really get the organization up to speed. It's it's so worth it to know that you're doing your part and you're being a good steward of the investments that you have. Thank you for that. Um, and I should point out that you know, it's really not a question of whether to engage or not. Everybody who, who is an investor is engaging. What probably is happening is they don't know they're engaging. So I've talked to ministries and high net worth individuals and they say, well, I'm, you know, I'm not really doing anything. It's like, are you sure? Uh, well, I don't vote. Well, wait a minute. Are you invested in a mutual fund or an ETF? Oh, yeah. Well, they're voting. How are they voting? On behalf of you. Right. With your dollars, they're voting. Yeah. Uh, so maybe you're invested in BlackRock or somebody. They're voting. Yeah. Uh, so, um, you know, one of the things we like to do is it's like we kind of like to say, hey, we'll run a test for you. We'll see if you if you test ESG positive. Um, tell me the mutual funds that you're using or the ETFs, and we'll tell you how you're voting on social issues and, and uh, environmental issues. And it is really fascinating for people. They didn't know. It's almost like like in America, presumably the way it's supposed to work is we vote. You know, we go down and we vote. But imagine a system where you don't actually vote, where you'd kind of say to a company, you handle all the voting, you do what's in my best interest, and don't tell me about it. That's yeah. the system we have now. And um, people need to kind of take that control back. And they're, they're not neutral now. Their dollars are being used to change the culture, probably not in the direction they want to. Yeah, these corporations now view themselves as as keep uh, keepers of good or stewards of society, um, and and the vast majority of them have a very secular worldview, a very humanistic worldview, um, and it takes them places that aren't good for society, and that's what we're seeing now. I mean, ESG, ESG went from the hottest thing on the market to the brokest thing on the market in about two years. I mean, there there are, there are corporations that are through their own volition saying, look, this ESG thing is not making us a penny. It's actually costing us money. So we're going to close our entire ESG division because all of the ESG division did and all of the 40 plus employees we got focused on this did 
let's figure out how we could make less money, right? And <laughs> right. that's a very bad idea. So let's close it down. That's actually happening across the country. But one other thing, Jerry, I want to mention on stewardship that's a little bit outside of the investment realm, but still very much related, is one thing that I, I tell groups when I go speak is the the amount of not only are we uh, currently seeing and going to see the windfall of the baby boomer generation and all that generational wealth that's been built up, but also we go when I travel the country, I, I, I find out about these individuals and these family estates and these trusts that have been set up where these these universities, these public government funded universities and, and where people are alumni and, you know, they're they're part of the sports club and all this fancy stuff. They they, they sign over millions of dollars to these universities yes. and, and these are these are endowment funds that are pretty well to do. I mean, these folks aren't struggling to pay their bills. Right. And, and and these are individuals that sign over millions of dollars of wealth to these universities, and these are people who are Christians. They think like you and I do. They probably agree with you and I on about 90% of the issues of our day, but they're giving over their masses of wealth to these secular, godless universities because they went to school there 40 years ago. I mean, it makes completely no sense. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying no. you shouldn't give any money to your, your alumni. That's not what I'm saying. But as far as where you're going to drop the majority of your investment when you're not here anymore, it ought to be in organizations that are advancing the purposes that you believe in, the right. values that you advance. Right. So that's one area that we've got to get right to is when we pass on generational wealth, where is it going? Hmm. That's a very good point. Um, and I, you even have to be careful with some of the Christian universities. Really, sure. because some of the sort of high status Christian universities are getting have gotten ideologically captured in the same way um, as, say, the uh, the Ivy League. So uh, you've been sort of engaging along three different levels, three different types of, of engagement um, of deplatforming uh, is one of them. Uh, debanking is another. Let's kind of focus on those two, um, say, like with Apple deplatforming of content. Can you say a little bit about why deplatforming is an important issue for you? Yeah. So this is this is uh, deplatforming is one of the fights of our day. I'm not going to say it's the fight of our day, but it's one of the fights of our day. And here's why: we're in a different era. We're in a completely digital era, uh, and we we own 160 plus radio towers around the country. They're they're regulated by the FCC. There's some pretty good guardrails and constitutional protections in place there to keep. American Family Association, American Family Radio, from being deplatformed, if you will, from an FCC standpoint. But when, when you enter this this digital arena of the internet, which is booming, right, and is responsible for half of our economy or more, um, corporations that run the these massive platforms that are hosted on the internet, they have a lot of control. They have a lot of a power, a lot of ability to cut people on and off. I mean, we see that we saw that uh, post-2020 election with Parler, right? right? Apple took Parler off the App Store. Hmm. So Parler went, Parler was booming, by the way. I mean, they were the latest and the greatest app amongst the conservative arena. And then overnight, Apple says, eh, I don't like what you guys are doing. And they pull up some excuses out of their pocket. And then before you know it, Parler's going upside down. Yeah. I mean, who who talks about Parler anymore? Nobody does because they went upside down. Yeah, they destroyed Apple a company. Were... By the way, yeah. the, the issue wasn't even anything Parler was doing. It was something that somebody had said in the comments section. 
That correct, was the excuse. Correct. Like you can control every lunatic in your comment section. Yeah, yeah it was a straw man. Right. Uh, it, it was a it was a user thing. Parler had all the checks and balances in place. They had all the moderate moderation procedures in place. So yeah, right, right. Uh, it was an excuse to take the the new latest conservative app off the app store, pretty much. Right. Um, and then there's other examples as well. But the reason this is important is because we've got to keep free expression, free thought, and, and diverse viewpoints on the internet. And Apple is a major player. I mean, they're the largest corporation in the world, but on the whole uh, internet side of things and the app store and the fact that they've got all these devices out there that's in everybody's hands. I mean, they are a major player and, and you start taking, taking, picking sides on the app store. That is a big, big deal uh, that has ramifications all around the country and all around the world. So that's why we're engaging in this this topic of viewpoint discrimination and deplatforming with Apple because it affects everybody. Mm-hmm. And we can't allow Apple to continue picking sides on this because it's it's a loser for our country. And 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 the thing is is people on the left and Democrats, they might not care about this now, but if it were them, if they were being deplatformed simply because Apple said we don't like you guys, they would have major issue with this. Uh, so this is why we're engaging with Apple. Interesting. So that's the deplatforming. Let's talk about debanking. So debanking is broad. It could be banking services, could be checking services, could be payment services, payment processing. Uh, tell me why you're interested in the debanking issue. Yeah, so I would say, uh, I think it's fair to say debanking on the list of priorities. Debanking is a bigger threat than deplatforming, although both of them are major threats. But here's why. Um, debanking is, is like a nuclear bomb, if you will. It's like a mic drop. Um, and this is where the Marxists want to go. They want to cut off your ability to even function as a business or an organization. This is what they do in China, um, and Russia and other places, North Korea and Iran is you, you can't even exist. You can't have a bank account. You can't have payroll. You can't even operate. Uh, so they go after the bank. And for those, for people who shrug their shoulders and they say, this will never happen, this isn't happening, this is just a, a straw man, there's no such thing as debanking, that's completely not true. Um, we've got examples after example of people being debanked, meaning the bank says, hey, I don't want to do business with you. Um, and then these organizations have to shift all of their resources over to another bank, assuming there's another bank to pick them up. Uh, so this is very, very, a very dangerous road that some people in our country want to go down, that is debanking. And we know that they're going after the Christian groups. They're going after the conservative groups. And and we've been not debanked, but we've been deplatformed with a critical uh, payment operator, uh, Stripe, Stripe Corporation out of San Francisco. They took AFA offline in 24 hours overnight. Wow. They took us offline, and we lost hundreds of thousands of dollars in recurring transactions. They held on to our encrypted tokens for weeks. This was a big deal. Now, that wasn't debanking, but it was, it was the next thing to it. Uh, Stripe took us off. Uh, this, was go- this goes back to 2020, December of 2020. So um, we've experienced it firsthand, this level of pulling financial resources. So out Stripe was what, Stripe was the payment service you were using. Yeah, we were subscribed to Stripe. They were processing all of our credit card transactions. We were doing millions of dollars through Stripe out of San Francisco every year. Hmm. I mean, we, they were making bank off of us with all the fees. And because of politics, 
they they called us. They literally labeled us engaging in risky business is what they said. They cited their terms of use and pointed us to the risky business section, which like got into the cartels and the mafia and ISIS. <laughs> so we were in that group, right, uh-huh. of engaging in risky business. And, of course, they wouldn't respond to us and they wouldn't expound. See, that's that's what they always do. They always they always do the business risk. They always do the risk. That's what they did. Uh, this isn't Stripe, um, but this is uh, a Bank of America did this with Indigenous Advance. You know, yeah. you don't fit fit our risk profile, and and this risk thing is so incredibly vague. Uh, and a lot of them have have a condition they call social risk. So it's like okay, Stripe should Stripe would be smart to not you know um, do transactions for drug lords. Okay, I get that. You know, being the payment service for a drug lord is risky. Uh, all right, yeah. we're we're agreed on that. Okay, kidnappers, whatever, mafia. Um, uh, although it might be riskier to cancel them, but that's a different story. <laughs> um, uh, but but then social risk gets thrown in that same. What's social risk? Social right. risk is they get emails of complaints from some interest group that doesn't like your politics, and they under all under something as broad as social risk, they can just they can just cut you off. That's unbelievable because I think yeah. you, you make a good point. Not everyone needs a website. I mean, a lot of companies do, but not everyone needs a website. Everybody needs a bank account. Any business right. needs to be able to, you know, uh, uh, do that. So I wasn't, you know, and, I wasn't aware of that story. So what did they tell? Did they tell you yeah. anymore? Did you so, appeal it, or what happened? Yeah. So so we 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 got lawyers involved, and and the the legal path to appealing this was was pretty difficult. Uh, we had to have representatives in San Francisco. And so we didn't pursue the legal route for a couple of different reasons. It was an uphill battle, but we did appeal to Stripe. Look, point out to us what we're doing that's risky. And they wouldn't do it. They pointed us, we're doing hundreds of thousands of dollars of business with them. They pointed us to their terms of use section, which was, I don't know, probably 17, 20 pages, mm-hmm. um, paragraphs and paragraphs and paragraphs. And and they wouldn't give us one example of anything that, that we're doing that's high risk. So so Jerry, your average person who is sane would would look at that and they would say, All right, so we don't like AFA because of what they believe in and their ideology and their purpose for existing, but we gotta find something that they're doing wrong. Um and, and let's give them to be fair here and not put ourselves in legal jeopardy. Let's give AFA a chance to correct their actions, whatever that means. Um, but they wouldn't even do that. They wouldn't even say, you know, this blog post and this radio show and and this and that and this person said something mean about somebody. They wouldn't point to a single case of us being a high-risk business. Because if they do, then you can fix it when, when the real issue is who you are and what you believe. The yes. real issue isn't any particular thing you said. Um, whatever. Um, it's it's your conservative Christians. Our existence is high risk for them. Precisely, <laughs> and so, and, and yeah. these these terms of service which mention risk, especially social risk or reputational risk, what they really amount to is they can decide which constituency to listen to. So if yeah. a bunch of Christians get together and complain about some satanic entity that's having payment process, you know, ah, who cares? But somebody else complains about us. Hmm, this sounds very risky. So yeah. when it's subjective, it's really a matter of who they listen to. So, uh, so I guess you found another payment service, and uh, so much the worse for Stripe. So you've you've suffered from this personally as an organization. Oh yeah, yeah. We we we're we're case uh, 
case number one for council culture um, and, and deplatforming. We've had this happen. We had a Jerry. I didn't even told this story yet, but you got your your audience is getting some exclusive stuff. Okay. So so we were we were expanding our headquarters here, and we were naming the facility after my grandfather Don Wildman to honor him, uh, which we're sitting in now. And, and we wanted we 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 went to a company in New York. Uh, uh, these half the companies that we engage with are liberal companies. Like if I vetted them deeply, I'd be like, eh, I don't want to do that. But, but we're thinking from a business standpoint, from an organizational standpoint. So like whoever's got the best product, let's go. So we engage with this company that has an access control system for your doors in New York. And we were about to do thousands of dollars of business with them. And they emailed us back and they said that they didn't want to do business with us because of what we do, what we stand for. Hmm. Uh, this was a this wasn't a bank. This wasn't a website hosting service. Although all of those are important, and we're talking about them, this was something as simple as the the types of locks we were going to have on our door, Jerry. So, so my point to your audience is: I guess conservatives deserve to be broken into. <laughs> I guess so. Right. <laughs> and this is a, this is on the heels of the Family Research Council uh, uh, being assaulted and nearly murdered uh, at their headquarters in Washington D.C in the whole Chick-fil-A controversy a decade ago or longer. So it was but, around that time. That's fascinating. Yeah, it was right after that. And right. so my point my point in saying that is that the logical conclusion, um, there is no place to stop. When you start debanking, deplatforming people because you just don't like their belief system, that's a very dangerous path to go to such a degree that they'll start cutting off. No, you can't buy building supplies from us and no, we're not going to provide your paper goods for your company. And if you want a new laptop, we're not going to do that. So where does it end? That's the problem here. And that's why we don't need to go down this path of deplatforming and debanking. Interesting. I guess there's a certain tendency for Christians to want to say, well, that we're just going to form our own parallel economy. But And I, I have some sympathy in some cases with that. But on yeah. the other hand, we can't function apart from this economy. We have to be a public witness to keep these institutions. I, I like to say... As a Christian, I believe that every institution to which we do not apply salt will always be rotting. Yeah. So we're the our, the corporations, whatever institutions that we thought were immune, were not, and we can't just hide in our subculture. We have right. to be outward facing and cut Esther. To me, it's the Esther example. It's the Purim example that you have to. Someone once wrote an essay about Esther called "Witness." or perish. We have to go out there and publicly challenge these companies. And I can tell you, having been there in meetings with people from AFA, you in some of the meetings, Walter in some of the meetings, um, they are not ready for us. They are not up to to the challenge. They do not have the counter arguments. Um, they, 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 they uh, are changeable in some cases. Sometimes minds can be changed. Sometimes there can just be pressure that can be applied. That's an, there's, a, there's an opening. I don't know if, if a football fan or whatever. There's an opening in the yeah. defensive line, and you are running through that opening. And yes. I want to thank you for that. And I hope 50, 100 other ministries follow your example uh, and Amen. run through that opening and, and, uh, and start scoring some touchdowns for our side. Yeah. You know, Jerry, I think, and this is this, I, I'll wrap it up here. I think we've got to go down both paths. I think we've got to be fully engaged in the public arena. And that includes with, with these, some of these secular corporations. And, and if we want to invest some in a parallel economy, I think that's fine too. We got to do yep. both. It's not one size fixed, uh, one size fits all. I agree. Because like here at AFA, 
Um, there's some things that we, we, we're doing in-house, right, that's a little more costly to do. We could probably sub it out or, you know, go to Amazon cloud services and save a little money. But it, it, it would be high risk for us to put ourselves in danger of being unplugged because one vendor doesn't like us. So we're having to spend a little more money and resources to, to try to be, you know, a little bit protected from the cancel culture. But but all around, we have to engage with with hundreds of vendors and corporations out there uh, to function in America 2024. So so this this thought that we can just create our own parallel economy and go hide over here is unrealistic. Right. We've got to be doing both. We do have to create, in some degrees, we have to create alternatives where we can. And one last example I give, please, of Cloudflare. So Cloudflare, Cloudflare is basically the Amazon competitor. They're a massive cloud provider, right, of cloud services. They're, we had a choice to make. Do we put our video streaming service in Amazon Web Services or do we put it in Cloudflare or some other provider? Or do we host it on site, which is extremely expensive? And we looked and Cloudflare CEO was on the record saying, look, we're not deplatforming. If conservatives want to come over here, that's fine. If liberals want to come over here, that's fine. Mm. We're just here to run a business and make a profit. He was on the record saying that, and I like that. So we're with Cloudflare now with our video service. That's great. Um, and so anytime you can find companies that are just about doing business and making a profit and providing a good service, that's the place to be. Yeah, there's a wisdom and discernment issue. There's critical functions where you really need to be aligned or at least have a freedom zone. And there's other functions where you don't. Um, and uh, by, by the way, I just want to mention a resource. Uh, there's the corporate bias report from 1792 Exchange has 2,500 companies, and it assigns the risk that you as a Christian will be canceled by this company. So high-risk mm. company, medium-risk company, low-risk company. It's at least, with critical services, at least worth doing. Because I don't trust Amazon either, right? They, they labeled mm. ADF uh, um, uh, a hate group. They labeled uh, um, uh, Family Research Council a hate group. They banned uh, you know, books. They can't be trusted. So that sounds like a wise decision. They pulled parlor. They pulled parlor off too. Oh, that's so, right. So they did. Not, not only did Apple pull parlor off their app store, but at the same time, Amazon Web Services pulled parlor offline completely. They had no website for weeks. Wow. Well, that's what happens when we don't apply salt and light. And I want to thank you and AFA for doing that. And I want to challenge other ministries to do the same. Well done, Walker Wildman. Thank you so much for being with us. Thanks, Jerry. I'm Jerry Boyer. This has been Meeting of Minds podcast. Thanks for joining us. Mm-hmm.